Welcome to the NCAA Social Series Podcast. In this episode, host Andy Katz meets with Dr. Brian Hainline, NCAA Chief Medical Officer, and Dr. Carlos Del Rio, the Executive Associate Dean for Emory University School of Medicine at Grady Health System, to discuss the role of sport and the NCAA in particular in continuing to help in this crisis. And welcome everyone to our NCAA Social Series. This is our third installment dealing with COVID-19. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by Dr. Brian Hainline, our NCAA Chief Medical Officer, as well as Dr. Carlos Del Rio, a professor of medicine at Emory University, and of course, specializes in infectious diseases. Um, I wanna start with you, Dr. Del Rio. Um, Your involvement here on the advisory panel with the NCAA. Let's just go back a little bit here. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this. Um, As you now look back, how important was it in that 48-hour, 72-hour period to make sure that all winter and ultimately spring sports were canceled? Well, I think I think the first thing you can say is that we all learn a lot, and this is an unprecedented event, and therefore uh, we have no parameters of reference to know exactly what to do. And I first want to compliment the NCAA for putting together a panel of experts and really listening to public health and asking questions to make decisions. The reality is when we started having these conversations, you know, the first step was, well, let's go and do it as planned. The next step is, well, maybe we should just do it, but not have uh, have the games, but not have the public. And the next is, well, maybe we should not have it at all and we should cancel the the, uh, the tournament. So I think uh, as we as we gather more information, the decision change and the risk benefit ratio change. And I think that's one of the challenges in a pandemic is you're trying to make decisions as information is, is learned and as information is gathered. So therefore, you know, when somebody says to me, how do we predict the future? I said, look, we couldn't predict what we we're gonna do two weeks ahead when we started meeting about this. It's very hard to predict what's gonna happen in the fall, right? This, this, uh, this pandemic is changing so rapidly. It's giving us so many different things to react to that I think the what you need to be is flexible, you need to be nimble, and you need to be willing to do things that you did not plan to do to start with. Uh, Dr. Hainline, clearly no decisions are going to be made here in April. I mean, all indications are, as, as Dr. Del Rio was saying, this is a moving target. Things are changing by the hour, by the day, by the week. Uh, as NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has made it very clear, no decisions on the NBA is going to made, be made until at least beginning of May. So how do you deal with the membership, with the coaches, with the athletic directors and the student athletes who are naturally impatient right now as they're all hunkered down, waiting for any kind of morsel of news, hopefully good news, as to what are the next steps of potentially getting back on the field of play? Well, I think the key really is to to stay in communication with the membership. So we've had several calls and webinars, uh, be that with the athletic directors, with the conference commissioners, the student athletes, student athlete advisory committee members are, are really taking charge and are viewing this as an opportunity for leadership, social responsibility. And then in about a week, we have a, a webinar that's gonna be with all sport coaches um, and, and that will be important, but we've certainly had a lot of communication with them in the meantime. And then internally, we have working groups And these are working groups not only with the staff that look at legislative issues, policy issues, eligibility issues, and also with important committees like the Football Oversight Committee or the Committee on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sports. 
So we've actually formed several working groups and we're playing out all of these what if scenarios. And of course the foundation for all of those is, is public health and, and, and safety. Um, but we're staying engaged and, and, and then the membership, I believe also, they're really staying engaged with their student athletes and, and keeping them grounded and, and, and keeping them focused. Dr. Del Rio, how would you advise you know, athletic directors uh, who are trying to balance that you know, economic aspect of this with the public health aspect of, you know, they have to sort of be in concert. You can't necessarily go forward without knowing what the pu public health risk is before you address where you are economically on your campus. Well, I think the first thing you do is you, you put safety and health first because having, uh, having sick people is more expensive than not having them. And then you, you, you stay informed, you stay nimble, you stay flexible. And I think, honestly, I think this year is gonna be really hard. How do you get people back into practice? How do you prevent uh, people from getting sick? I think, you know, this is gonna be a really tough year and I'm not sure we have a, a, I have a straight answer other than saying, let's stay informed, let's keep learning and let's hope for the best because the reality is so far, we have seen uh, uh, some very concerning trends and, and I've yet to see ourselves getting sort of getting out of the uh, out of the woods, right? And how do we get out of the woods without without more damage, without more problems? I think that's going to be the challenge for all of us. And uh, and I would say let's let's stay nimble, let's stay focused, and and hope for the best. And 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 again, this is not the end of the world. Something will happen. Well, so Dr. Del Rio, the difference obviously between uh, the NCAA athlete, student athlete, and the professional athlete is the first word in that, they are student athletes. And I uh, you know, can't see a scenario where, you know, this talk of little sort of bubbles of allowing, you know, pro athletes to play, that can't happen on a college campus because they are college students. And presidents obviously want students on if they're going to have student athletes on. So what would be, you know, at least some benchmarks that you'd like to see before that can even be considered where college students in late August, September, maybe even in October, could be allowed back on campus? Well, you know, I think I think I want to see, you're, you're almost talking about what will it take to be, to return to the life we, we want to, right? The life we used to have, the life we aspire to have. And I think the number one is you need to have transmission needs to be low. You need to have low number of new cases, low number of hospital admissions. Uh, you need to then have testing available and, and, and readily available. And then you need to really be ready from a public health perspective to do rapid diagnosis, co contact tracing, isolation of those infected. And, and then you need to have some sort of agreement at the community level of what kind of things we're gonna do uh, if, if something happens. In other words, if we start seeing an increase in, ca in cases, do we rapidly go for masking outdoors? Do we rapidly go to you know, closing schools? Do we not prevent, do we not allow people over the age of 65 to come to certain events? I think those are the kind of discussions that we're going to have to have. I think it's not going to be, I think life is not going to return immediately to normal. It's going to return to something that, that is normal, but it's not the normal we used to know. Yeah, so to that point, Dr. Hainline, uh, you know, how do you counsel these coaches, these student athletes, and these athletic directors, and ultimately the presidents, of what that new normal, at least in the short term of fall of 20, winter of 21, may look like before we have a vaccine? 
Right. So I think the presidents, they're the ones that are really grappling with this the most, because as as you mentioned, Dr. Del Rio mentioned, these are students first. So how do we get people to return to campus? And I think those are the principles that are going to be worked out. And, and Dr. Del Rio uh, really elaborated on them. I think for the coaches, it, it's really important to go to a different sort of emphasis. We, we know from really sound data that coaches are the single most important influence on student athletes. And what we hear from the student athletes is that they understand two things. One is they really want to get back to sport, but they also really understand that we're in a, a crisis that's affecting all of humanity. And this is an opportunity for the coaches to really bond with the, with the student athletes and, and let them know, yes, this is a public health crisis first and foremost. So we're all in this together. And then we're going to try to get back to sport. We are going to get back to sport eventually. And when we get back there, it's going to be safe. And it's also going to be, you know, uh, an environment where we're not going to hurt one another or, or get hurt because we're going to be trained properly. So it's the balancing act for the coaches. They're overseeing the training right now that the athletes are doing. They're doing it remotely. And they have to make certain that when we do return, that the athletes are in good shape. But but first and foremost, again, the coaches really influence the athletes. And this is a unique opportunity to really help them understand more profoundly that this is a crisis for everyone. So, Dr. Hayman, what are you hearing in terms of what could happen for testing, uh, you know, on college campuses or before students arrive or even before athletes were to arrive if they're allowed to uh, in the late summer? Well, I, I think what we're hearing is uh, more speculative than what really exists because we, we actually heard some coaches, some administrators, some students, I mean, a lot of people saying, well, you know, we're going to get back to campus and we're going to be able to test everyone. You know, we're still in this country, and Dr. Del Rio knows this much better than I do, but we're still at a prioritization level for testing. So to really return to a place where you're first doing serological testing, so you understand if someone has immunity, we don't know the validity of those tests yet. And we don't know how widespread they'll be. And for rapid diagnostic testing, we don't have the accuracy of those yet. And, and that's not widespread. So in terms of the testing, a lot of people talk about it, but we have to make certain the infrastructure is there, that it's reliable, and that especially it's available for the people who truly need it first, and those are the ones that are suffering. So, Dr. Dr. Dell, at that point, um, how far away are we from that kind of widespread testing that may be administered at the state level versus at the federal level? Well, I mean, I think we need we need to, we need to increase testing at all levels, right? I mean, it's not just federal; it's local. It's I, mean, I think. Over the, we, we've seen an increase in testing availability, and we're going to see even more. And I, I honestly think over the next month or two, there's going to be a lot more testing happening, and, and you know we're going to be at better testing happening. And I think that's going to change dramatically what we do. Uh, let's 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 think about let's see what the scenarios start play out as we get more testing available in this country. And I think that's going to be very different. So, Dr. Hainline, what's going to be your specific message to football? Because that is sort of the elephant in the room that everyone wants to talk about because it's the next major sport that would be happening on a college campus. And it's not just the football players, but obviously it's the fan aspect. And you know, we don't know what's going to come first as to what could be allowed. What's your message to the football community? 
Well, look, you're, you're right, Andy. Football is is the great metaphor, not just for fall sport, but I think for all of sport. And when we think of football, it's not just NCAA or college football. It's not professional football. It's youth football. And youth football provides an exceptional, exceptional opportunity for so many individuals. It truly is an equal opportunity sport. But we have to get football right. And so we don't want to go on a timeline where we're saying, well, we're going to start football by this date or this date, no matter what, because that's just what's necessary. So the message really is it's a fewfold. One is there are several groups that are actively working on this, membership groups within the NCAA and then the NCAA staff, the American Football Coaches Association. And really a couple of things need to happen. One is that from a public health, a public safety point of view, we're ready to re-engage. We're ready to re-engage as teams that are in close physical contact. Then we're ready to engage as teams competing against one another and then possibly ready to re-engage with fans. But it's not just the timeline of safety from a public health point of view. Football is an aggressive, rugged contact sport. And so if the timeline does shift, we also need to be certain that the players are really well prepared because we don't want to see all of a sudden a, a, a large number of musculoskeletal injuries or overuse or undertraining injuries because we brought the players back too quickly. So using Dr. Del Rio's words about being nimble, we're going to have to be nimble in the football community. And, and we have a really a large number of organization groups, membership committees that are actively working on this. And, and we all want it to happen. And we want to make certain that it happens in a timeline that assures public health is really first and foremost foundational for all of this. And, and, and as Dr. Penglin said, I think we also need to, to think about, you know, uh, about the athletes that have not been able to practice in team sports and they have to, you know, not only take care of themselves and avoid injuries, but quite frankly, you know, they're going to have need, you know, going to need some time to get back into practice and really learn how to work as a team again. Right. You know, Dr. Del Rio, I want to pick up also on the point of students back on campus. Um, in what scenario could you see where there could be that phase of, let's say, hypothetically, you know, they are wearing masks or uh, there is somewhat social distancing, although it might be hard to do, obviously, in a dorm situation. But at least there would be a new phase of getting college students back on campus rather than waiting for this sort of all clear which may or may not come, you know, in the near future. We don't know when that could happen, where everyone could come back all at once. Well, you know, I think, again, I think it all depends. It's really hard to make decisions based on what we know right now. The reality is, I think we're going to have to have a, uh, uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to see what happens. If we truly do this well and transmission can decrease significantly, at the community level, and we can literally make this virus go away because, there, you know, if there's no transmission, the virus disappears, and we can get rid of the virus, we'll be in a very different place than if we let transmission continue. So the worse we do this, the more likely we're going to have to think about the scenarios that if we don't do this right to begin with, we're going to be suffering more than if we do it right. And Dr. Hainline, um, you know, th this new normal that, you know, coaches are going to have to adjust to here. Um, you know, what kind of questions are you hearing about what might be allowed? And I know it's still only April, but in a new normal kind of situation, uh, when practice resumes, whenever that is. 
Well, I think one part of the new normal is that there's going to be a new cultural norm. And you know, I've said this before, we've, we've seen this in concussion where the players really look out for one another. They know that it's much better for everyone's health, the team's health and the individual's health if you report concussion early. I think there's going to be a new norm about people looking out for one another, not coming into practice if you think that you're sick. And, and the whole way that of, of cleanliness, we've seen this in the sport of wrestling where they really took infectious disease prevention to a great level. And I think that can happen in, in the sport of football. So it's a whole new awareness of, uh, and, and really an enforcement, if you will, at the local level of, of how things are done properly. And that involves uh, working with the strength and conditioning coaches, the athletic trainers, the team physicians. So I think you're gonna see a whole new type of community engagement around infectious disease, cleanliness, and, and what makes the most sense. Dr. Del Rio, what, what are you seeing in other countries, South Korea, China, um, where you know they've maybe started to relax a little bit of their social distancing or their shutdown, their lockdown, but then maybe a little bit of reemergence of some community spread. I mean, what what are you seeing out there that well, might? Well, I, I think as you relax community thing uh, restrictions, you're going to see some community spread. And the question is, at what point in community spread do you reimplement certain measures? Right? At what point do you say, hey, we have to go back to this, that, or the other? And how about flattening the curve? It's obviously something that we have now gotten used to hearing in the last three weeks. Um, getting on the other side of the curve, on one side, that's great news. On the other, you know, we're seeing obviously a high mortality rate here. Um, how do we know when we're down the downside of that curve and at least heading in the right direction, hopefully to having some restrictions being lifted? Well, I think that's what we all that's what we're all are looking for. I mean, I think that. Again, that's what we're all looking for, and we're hoping that we can get to that point. But, but it's not going to be immediate. It's not going to be, as, I mean, as I said, I hate to say it, but I think that, that this year, this year, I, mean, I refer to this calendar year, we may, not be, we, never, we may not return to normal this calendar year. I really think that it's going to be very hard to do so without having a vaccine and some other strategies in place. Well, I think we all agree here. Uh, we're definitely not going to be returning to the pre-COVID-19 in the calendar year 2020. It's going to be some form of a new normal. Right. Uh, so I, I want to get back to that, Dr. Hainline, because, you know, there's so many meetings going on right now in conferences, athletic directors, and, and everyone wants these answers that you just cannot have in the month of April. And so how do you preach that patience that on April 8th or 9th, what we know is going to be drastically different than on May 8th or 9th or June 8th or 9th, and you're just going to have to wait before you make any decisions. Well, I, I think I'm just going to echo a couple of points that Dr. Del Rio mentioned earlier. One is there's been a, a, a vast expanse, really an exponential expanse in testing. We're not there yet, and I think four, five, six weeks from now, we're gonna have a much greater understanding of the two types of testing and how well they work. So immunity type verification and then rapid diagnostic testing and the infrastructure support might be much better. And then the other is you, you know, having a sense that you really have contained this virus at, at the community level and you're ready to engage aggressively if there is a reemergence. And, and so, um, you know, it's it's understanding, yes, look, we've made so much progress and 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 people like Dr. Del Rio and, and others are, are on the inside of helping to make this progress 
really uh, blossom. Um, but you know, hang tight. We're we're all playing the what if scenarios. We all want to return to some type of resocialization. And and I agree, it's not going to be a return to normal. But you know, let's let's be flexible and 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 let's be patient so that can we we can return to a normal that allows us to reemerge out of society at an acceptable level, really at a socially responsible level. So let me let me just put us an example. And again, think about it this way. And people say, how are we going to envision what's going to happen in the future? I take you back in time. Uh, think about what is it going to be like? What was it like? I mean, in, in January, there was no way we could have predicted to be where we are right now. In fact, in February, there's no way we would have predicted we would be where we are right now. That's how rapidly this has changed. And therefore, you know, think about go back to those months and say, oh, my God, where 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 are we not seeing what we're seeing right now? And that's why I just increasingly get worried about trying to predict the future because we don't know what the future looks like. You know, Dr. Del Rio, I, I want to address the personal protective equipment, which has obviously been in the news a lot lately and the PPE on the front lines and for our uh, first responders and medical professionals. Um, you know, what we saw, and I'm going to go back to the 90s, uh, if memory serves, at the initial uh, HIV uh, AIDS epidemic, what we saw were athletic trainers from that point forward, had gloves if there was any blood. And we changed the way we did things on the court, that if there was blood, stop the game, you clean the surface, certainly on a, in a court versus a field of play, where if you're dealing with a jersey, you had to change the jersey. So blood was dealt with differently in terms of uh, how athletic trainers handled it with gloves all the time. That wasn't the case prior to that. How do you see life changing for the athletic training community in terms of PPE in how they deal going forward once we resume some form of normalcy? You know, we, we may need to have more masks available. But again, I, I repeat that the reality is it depends, right? I mean, I don't think we need to have people in PPE all the time. I think that'll be absurd. We need to see what we need. And, and, and I think there may be more masks and more gloves available that we currently have. I think we may be using more gloves and, and masks and more a lot more Purell out there. Dr. Hainline, um, you know, from your vantage point, because you're dealing with that community at the NCAA level, I'm just curious, what have you heard from that community, if anything, about how their lives and the way they work may change on a college campus? Well, well they're very concerned. You, you know, there was a conference call today with a large group of athletic trainers. And and you know, right now they they don't have the the masks that that uh, may be needed, and and you know, and if you're really talking about the proper type of mask when you're dealing with someone who's infected, that's different than uh, a cloth mask. So so right now there's a prioritization, and that really has to go to our, the healthcare workers that are on the front line. So it wouldn't even be ethical for the athletic trainers to have those masks right now because they're not dealing with the front line. And but but once once we return to this new uh, normal or this uh, resocialization, then I think what's going to happen is you're going to have best practices or guidance. So if you suspect that someone has COVID-19 and you're immune or you're not immune, there's going to be a different approach to that. I think you're going to see a, a, a much uh, wider array of, of, of really good sanitizing equipment in, in all of the athletic rooms and the training rooms and so forth. And so we have to make certain that that's available. But I think what this uh, pandemic is going to teach us is what are the best practices going forward before we have a vaccine? And then what does it look like after the vaccine? It, you could maybe look at that as, as two different 
uh, points in time. Uh, absolutely. I think that's really, that's right on point. Uh, one other thing here, Dr. Hainline, you know, you mentioned this, I think it was last week in our conversation, or, or maybe the first week when we were talking about different fall sports and cross country is an example, which you could have social distancing literally once the race begins. Um, how much is there any kind of discussion about sports being treated almost, you know, in their own silos as to what could be allowed versus, you know, one size fits all. If college students are back, then we kind of figure out how each sport could come back. Uh, you know, how you're balancing the two, because not all sports are created equal in terms of how you deal with these medical issues. Right. So, you know, again, firstly, it's, are we going to be able to get the students back on campus? And then assuming you have that, well, yes, cross country is very different than, than football, except I remember the starting lines of cross country and, you know, my ribs were often bruised and there was, it's a contact sport at that starting line. Um, but but in, in all seriousness, it, it really is different. The training is different. It's much easier to do social distancing. So in this working group that we have, it's an interdisciplinary working group, we're looking at all of the fall sports. The core principles are being developed for football, but that then is then being parsed out and we're looking at the, the other sports, women's volleyball, field hockey, soccer. And then you have some sports that aren't traditionally competed in, in, in the fall, but they play in the fall, like 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 tennis and, and baseball. Yeah, yeah. So so we have a lot to figure out, and, and, and you're right. We're going to take a slightly different approach for each sport. Absolutely. I mean, they're very different, right? Yes. And one last thing, Dr. Del Rio, that I do not want to, to, to end this without discussing, because we discussed this last week, and I want to get your opinion on this, is the mental health aspect of this. I mean, we're all dealing with, you know, having to be sort of shut in, away from other people, and you know we're all going to handle it differently. For an athlete, um, it's really dramatic. It happens suddenly. Uh, the way they work out, the way they train, is now dramatically different. What would be your advice to those student athletes that now have to deal with the mental health aspect of this as their lives were dramatically changed in an instant? Well, I mean, I think your life turns turns upside down, and whenever your life turns upside down for whatever event, it's very traumatic. And a traumatic event leads to anxiety, leads to depression, leads to uncertainty. I think we need to provide schools, coaches, teams, need to provide the support necessary. Because again, while this is traumatic, this is also not permanent, and we need to help people get through this event. And addressing mental health needs, I guess, is fundamental. I also think it's really important that we, we keep people healthy, right? I think we need to keep people uh, training as much as they can. We need to keep people uh, fit. And we need to make sure that people are not just sitting in a couch and, and eating unhealthy food because then they're going to not only not be training, but actually regress in their physical fitness. So I think staying focused, uh, continue to work towards your goals is a critical component of, of getting over this episode. Dr. Hainline, I'll give you the last word. Well, I, I'll just build on what Dr. Del Rio was saying. And, and, and the, the focus is, is really important. And so... The goal setting isn't like, well, when am I going to return at some point in October or September or August? It's what can I do today to make certain that I'm really taking care of myself? And part of that is taking care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. And what are my goals for this week? And so, again, just like the Olympic athletes, they don't focus on where they're going to be in four years. They say, what can I accomplish this week? And it's a building block for the week thereafter. 
And, and the other thing that I, I think is helpful is when, when the student athletes understand that they're part of a community that is really part of a very large community. Yeah, humanity is suffering right now. And to be part of that effort, to feel connected to the human suffering and to find your own solution for that, find your own sense of compassion for that, that also helps from just you know a mental health and a self-esteem point of view. Well, I appreciate both of you. Uh, this has been incredibly informational, educational every week that we've done this. It's our third uh, NCAA social series on COVID-19. We're going to continue this uh, throughout the course of the spring. Dr. Brian Hainline, uh, our chief medical officer from the NCAA, and Dr. Carlos Del Rio uh, from Emory University, uh, focusing on infectious diseases, also a member of the NCAA advisory panel. And as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash COVID-19 for more information on the subject. Thanks for joining us.